It is as if I were a stranger here. Nothing has changed, and yet everything has changed. Welcome to the White Book Podcast, the original A Game of Thrones LCG podcast. Founded in 2010 as Two Champs and a Chump, we thought it best to rename and rebrand ourselves freshly just in time for the game to do the same with its second edition. Tune in each episode for your dose of strategy, discussion, jokes, and good old geek culture. A huge thank you goes out to George R.R. R. Martin, Fantasy Flight Games, Card Game DB, and you, our loyal and new listeners. Check us out at www.whitebookpodcast.com and contact us on Facebook and Twitter or email us at contact at whitebookpodcast.com. This CC licensed music is Townfish by Spinozar. Welcome, dear listeners, to episode 211 of The White Book. I'm sure you're all wondering where episodes 1 through 210 went, or were to begin with, let alone went. That is because we have changed the name of the show. Welcome to the same crew who were previously serenading your ears with their sweet dulcet tones, as 2C1C, with the game itself hitting a uh, point of reboot, we decided to do the same as the show. Um, unfortunately, I wasn't willing to completely drop everything and change, so we're going to keep the same numbering. I'd like folks to know we've been around for a while, we've been doing this, we're not a fly-by-night. But we have a much more in-theme name now, which I think will be great when folks are uh, checking us out on the web. So... Um, you know, be on the listen for new music and all sorts of things as we go here. Uh, this week, I'm joined by uh, the triumphantly returning Kyle Vansel. Benicia, Bruno. <laughs> Mr. John Bruno, of course. <laughs> Howdy, y'all. I'm ready to break in this cherry. And uh, Tommy Pliss. Here I am. Rocky like a hurricane. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're debuting some new stuff here this week. Not only the new show, uh, but I think, uh, you'll note, actually, for the very astute listeners, you'll have already noted for about two weeks by the time this episode comes out that our, uh, Google Plus page has actually already read as the white book. Uh, and for about a week, our Twitter page has as well. Um, unfortunately, it looks like uh, we will have a new Facebook page. Uh, the Two Champs and a Chump page will still be up. I'll continue to update it for a while, but I'm going to ask you guys to go search out the White Book uh, or White Book Podcast on there. Find us, add us, like us, follow us, all that jazz. Um, because Facebook, while it does say that you are supposed to be able to change a page name once, will not let me change our page name. Which is weird because this is the only time I've ever changed the name of the podcast. 
So there you go. Thankfully, you can also go find us at whitebookpodcast.com. Yeah, that's right. We have a website now. I was trying to take that beyond the wall. Yeah, there we go. I was, I was like, man, are my hosts going to chime in with any excitement? Gosh. I'm excited. I, I will have listened. I'm going to listen to every single podcast this week. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Wait, all, all of the prior 210 no, no. podcasts? Yeah, I'm going to listen to every book podcast ever done this week. There we go. There we go. Brilliant. Um, so the website is up. Uh, it's going to give us some options, I think, to be a little more uh, visible easily online. I'm still going to cross post uh, to Card Game DB. We're going to kind of work on this transition uh, to try and get the RSS feed swapped as, as easily as possible. So there may be a little hiccup as we go here. Um, but the site it has a lot of features here that I've kind of uh, worked on. And since everybody's getting excited about getting on the new website, um, liking us on Facebook, as Will mentioned, whoever our 211th person to like White Book Podcast is, is going to receive a copy of the White Book Agenda, which is super useful and everybody wants, especially in 2.0. But it is going to be signed by all the members of the cast. Indeed. A nice little, little bonus there, little perk. We, mo- we might... Since we have Kyle on. Yeah. Do Kyle? we have Kyle on? <laughs> yeah. I was saying, wow. Oh. Thanks, guys. That was, <laughs> that was touching. It was almost more exciting because Kyle wasn't here. Some some things do change. Some things stay the same. Yeah. Kyle's still doing dishes <laughs> yeah. on the podcast. I was not. I'm way too tired to be doing dishes. I'm uh, in couch therapy mode. Nice. Well, tell you what, we've got we've got a lot of stuff to cover here this episode. I'm just going to run down a little bit about the the new website uh, real quick for listeners. I want you to go check it out. Of course, if you uh, see something uh, I missed, uh, feel free to send us an email or uh, a comment or something. I'll see if it's something I can figure out how to do or not. And I know number one might possibly wind up being a deck builder, and that is unfortunately beyond my capabilities. However, uh, there is a pretty slick uh, pop-up system that will auto-tag card images by name. So as you talk about them in the forums, uh, or if you choose to uh, write an article and submit it to be posted, uh, which you can do right there from the site, it will auto-tag uh, and of course, if you wanted to type out a deck list, it will set everything up in a nice pop-up system. Uh, of course, there are forums, as I just alluded to. Uh, I would love to have some articles up uh, fairly regularly. Of course, you know you can have profiles and uh, send messages to each other and and that sort of thing. Um, along with uh, the forums and such, I've also uh, worked out some web resources to kind of collate. Uh, news from Game of Thrones related sites around the web so you can check that out. I've also uh, got things set to uh, to pull some eBay auctions uh, that would be applicable. I'm still kind of trying to fine tune uh, exactly what search string needs to go in there. You'll see some other LCGs will kind of s- slip into that string uh, but I may set up some other pages and searches so if you have some suggestions there that would be great. Um, you'll also note I was fairly happy 
to go ahead and get the annals embedded uh, in the in the site. So you can just hit up the, the most recent version of the annals there, uh, which I should have uh, updated by the time this episode goes live. And I'll try to also keep the, the older ones as archives. Uh, I'm hoping to also have a uh, winning deck list posted as we go. So we'll have a repository of those. And uh, I, I have a, a lead on being able to integrate uh, challenge brackets. Uh, and I know that site's fairly, uh, fairly popular for running online stuff. So we'll see if we can get that all, all lined out uh, in the end for it to work. Uh, but the, one of the features that I think I'm most happy about that I would love for folks to actually really dive in and use is the event system. You'll see when you hop on right now, the only event listed is the Kingslayer top cut event, uh, that we're helping run at Gen Con in Indianapolis on Saturday, the 1st of August. And, uh, you know, FFG used to have event systems in the CCG days where folks could actually, you know, submit what stores and locations were running tournaments and such and have times and, and all that jazz. But uh, in the LCG, we've been lucky to get posted for us, what, regional uh, dates and now store championships? I want more than that. So... We have an event system built in. Uh, people can tag things as, say, a tournament or a, a game night uh, so that we can have, have local stuff listed um, and kind of help differentiate uh, just get-togethers and more formalized things. And, of course, uh, list store championships and regionals here as well, uh, tag things on uh, on Google Maps, all sorts of good stuff. I would love... Uh, for this repository to uh, to really be uh, an important part of the community, so drop by, check it out, and uh, see see what we can do. Let me. Add I know to there's going to be. A t- I'm sorry. I was going to say I was just going to add as like a a long time player too. Back when we had the CCGJs that, that mapped all this stuff out for us and kept track. You know, it's definitely something we miss. That's I think one of the the cool things you're going to have on your site that I think will. Definitely more just from for the game and yeah, so many new players join two point So it's gonna be huge. I think it's a great thing you're doing with it. Thank you, sir. Now if only I could Aww. figure out a good uh ranking system. If any listeners happen to uh have experience as WordPress developers, by the way, contact me. I would I would love to expand our feature set even further. Oh, and uh, as Will mentioned about embedding the card names and having the reference pulled to your posts in the forums, just so that everyone knows, it definitely works 100%, and you can go and check out front of the show Daryl and his Counting Coppers post, because, <laughs> I mean, let's get serious, what's going to get more traffic than that? Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful and insightful. <laughs> yes, and you can watch Counting Coppers pop up uh, half a dozen times. Well then, guys, uh, I think we kick it on to our next topic or 
Prep's first full topic. We've got our last preview article, as far as I understand things, or at least the last house for sure. We've got Tyrell. FFG laid some stuff on us. What are you guys thinking about, about Tyrell? My wife uh, is pretty fired up. Oh, is that going to be her house this time around? Oh, it's always been. She has a Terrell t-shirt. She's a big fan of Terrell. It's, she's so fired up for 2.0 just because of that. Nice. So what do we think theme-wise uh, about all these uh, strength bumps? They seem to be a fairly intriguing house, too. A little bit of stand, maybe kind of a rushy house, judging by Randall Tarley, though that's not explicitly stated in the article that I saw. Well, I like that. You're definitely going to see the strength bumps. I mean, in the books, Tyrell definitely joins in many battles, you know, so we expect him to have good strength bumps, good army army contributions. With characters like Marjorie, like the little sneakiness that they have going on, so, because that's also part of, like, her Queen of Thorns. So we need to see how they mix the military characters with the sneaky characters. Yeah. Man, that Marjorie... She not only does the art look great, I I believe that's some CCG art they're reusing there, but she just feels like one of the most uh, efficient characters we've seen in 2.0 so far. Yep. You absolutely, know? absolutely, she is, and I think that she goes along with so many of the other cards that they spoiled so well. Oh yeah, synergy is outrageous, and if you look at the house as a whole, based on what we've seen so far, it seems like they're going to have um, non-traditional card advantage as kind of a theme. Their ability no, to drop Elena. characters in for free with Elena or Queen of Thorns, as she's titled, I suppose. Right. And then also with Baron Maiden Fair, it looks like they're going to be able to improve their card quality. Yeah. And it it's interesting, you bring up Elena and kind of card advantage and stuff, and that made me think, you know, she's also like crazy resource advantage. And we talked about her some when we originally previewed her on the show, but now we also see Paxter Redwin, who's got a, a printed plus one gold bonus, and he lowers event costs. So, like, uh, I guess Tyrell maybe is kind of the secondary resource house behind Lannister, which I think makes a lot of thematic sense for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It fits perfectly thematically. Right on. Wait, any of the uh, the other cards or any other notes about them you guys want to hit on for sure? Highgarden looks pretty sexy, right? Oh, Highgarden definitely looks sexy. Uh, again, I, I've always loved any kind of control, anything that the threat of it sitting on the board so is enough to impact things that you do and change the way you play. I mean, how many times have you played somebody who has the Longship Iron Victory, the regular one with that extra two strength bump, and you know it's going to be there, and right. you have to put extra people in a challenge just because you want to make sure you win that. You're going to have to do the same thing. Just be, the threat of it being on the board is going to do that too. Yeah. Or or even, you know, he, he stops, or it stops. It, it threatens that on the incoming challenges and forces people to overcommit. But, like, you could also flip it around and scare people out of, you know, defense or whatever. You're attacking with uh, a couple uh, larger guys, whatnot. They block with a chump. You can kick one of your own out so they can attack in another challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's been a lot of conversation about the Neil module out of Baratheon being mm-hmm. something that you can just 
pick and plunk into whichever house that you choose to have as your main house. And if you look at Terrell and their presumed loyal cards, you can take this strength bump package with Marjorie and Heartsbane and uh, Randall and dump them wherever you wanted to. If if you're trying to push challenges through hard Mm -hmm. and immediately I looked at it with Targaryen and Khal Drogo with his ability to give secondary military challenge, you, you add in the strength bump and the stand, you, you can do some mean stuff there. Randall Carter is a pretty badass character. He's gonna he's gonna definitely do some uh some serious damage. You see obviously the connection right away between him and Marjorie with the, their combo. But uh yeah, he's definitely gonna be a character you have to account for. I think my two favorite things about Tyrell are is that with their house words being growing strong and them having strength bumps. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so and, on the nose. I mean, it is. And um, just kind of like an odd sub-theme throughout the course set, just like the Fat Bob reference in his flavor text. Anyways, um, and Tyrell really strikes me just with some of the little things we've talked about here, synergies, as a house to really look for early as a as a big player on the melee scene, which I think is kind of fitting because you look at how Tyrell changes alliances throughout the books um, in much more prolific ways than some of the other houses do as far as, you know, who they root for even. So I, I kind of like that they are a house that does very well as a support system and can play in a format that kind of reflects their style even within the books. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's going to be fun with, with them compared to existing factions, as they're now called, um, is that it's going to be fun to see them stand on their own instead of just supporting the other houses like they did before. And also, you know, you get a chance to create a few more characters that maybe haven't seen them before. So that, that's always fun just from the thematic, you know, standpoint of the game. Right, right. Yeah. Um, you know, the another card here in the preview jumps out to me. Uh it, though it also jumps slightly out of Tyrell. So I may be moving a little too far, but I just keep staring at Put to the Sword. And it, it amuses me to see that CCG Eddard art back again, which is just so perfect for that that effect. Uh, so interesting to see we've got that straight-up uh, targeted kill effect back. Any house can have it again. Is the two cost enough? What do you guys think. I mean, that could potentially be knocking out seven cost characters in second edition. Well, any environment where you don't have a mass reset like Valor, it's going to be at a premium anyway. Yeah. I think in this set, it's going to be, you're going to have to really think how to, I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about this a little more, but you have to think a lot how you want to spend your gold, because you need to hold gold back. You see already High Garden events you need to have that money sitting there just so people think there's a possibility sometimes, even if you don't have it, that you might have it. So you have to really manage your, your economy well in 2.0. Mm-hmm. Well, and that comment immediately makes you think about using Tyrion. Elaborate. Oh, to have the, the two gold. To add gold. Chunk there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Littlefinger. Yep. Does yep. Littlefinger add gold after the fact? Well, nobody has the no, built-in gold. But he gives you bonus. extra gold. Right. Yeah, he's going to give you more to spend, but Tyrion's right. ability to just give it to you after 
Oh, that's is true. Just yeah. such an advantage in terms yeah. of defense ambush. Right. Uh, Paxter's not quite as good as Tyrion, but that discount will will definitely be welcome. How many people think that they might play Tyrell at uh, the Kingslayer tournament? Oh, there might might be a few. Are we yep. uh, are we jumping over to that that topic here fully? Do you guys want whatever you want? Want to um, shuffle the order here a little bit? Well, I think we should maybe talk about our uh, super special spoiler card, right? I think we should oh. definitely talk about our our preview card here. In fact, uh, listeners can view part of him in the preview article right there in the center of that card fan. Uh, we have the actual text there. That happens to be Maester Lomas. Lomas! Yeah! He is three cost, intrigue icon, three strength. He is unique. He is not loyal. He is just a maester. Uh, and has the reaction after you win an intrigue challenge as the defending player, discard one card at random from the attacking player's hand. Double intrigue. Yeah. Uh. He's like reverse uh, deadly brawn, but we can't bitch about how he's a four cost ally. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I I kind of dig it. He doesn't have to be in the challenge. The strength boosts mean you you can win on defense. Uh, you know when your opponent wasn't expecting it much more easily. Seems well, like that's it. exactly what I thought about when I saw him. I thought so much about how Terrell trying to go second, which is very thematically appropriate given <laughs> that they decide who they want to side with right. after the fact. And you have Lomas out there, you tell them, hey, you don't want to do entry challenges against me mm-hmm. because guess what? I'll just pump with all of my pump abilities. And then because you don't challenge them, then they come and hit you on their turn and pump all of their guys, standing them with Tarly, etc. And it just snowballs out of control. Yeah. I mean, he effectively neuters a whole challenge. And that's huge, especially like being part of the risk. I I find as a player, one of the biggest risks of going second is I always fear the intrigue pull. Like, all right, well, when I go, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and this, unless he pulls that one in seven event out of my hand that just wrecks the whole thing. So if you can negate that disadvantage, I think it frees up a lot of the cons associated with going second. Especially early I totally agree with you, Kyle, and I think for a short period of time, as the game is young and you're holding on to your seven-cost guy that you haven't been able to play, but you're waiting on your ability to get him out there, and you know that you're likely going to have dupes in your hand as well for that same character, being able to ensure that you're not giving that up to entry claim is going to be huge. So I think I think he's probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite three-cost dudes so far. I mean, I think this really can't be understated as a, as a, like a game influence, influencing card, especially with, uh, out of Tyrell, like with the pumps, he just gets even better. So. And that's two really good three costers for them. I mean, Marjorie and him together, that's, that's a really solid three cost. Yeah. Two slots filled. Also, yeah. with defense. It'll be interesting to see I just like that a lady, a house that's all about strong ladies, having like a lady theme, how many jokes about winning on D we can make oh. in the coming year. Oh, gosh. I just look forward to many episodes of tasteless and base humor. Kyle, I'm really <laughs> offended. 
I thought we had a new sorry, here. Jeez. It's the off-white book now. <laughs> yeah, wow. Kyle's already dragging <laughs> us through the mud. All my, all my white. put to waste. They've been put to the torch here. What's one of those chick colors they call it? Like ivory or eggshell? Vansel. One of those ones. <laughs> Vansel. Yeah. I think that's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna paint, uh, my walls a nice, nice light Vansel. Yes. Hey, if definitely. you want to change the name of the podcast to the Vansel book, by all means, you can go right ahead. <laughs> that House Tyrell. Do we like House Tyrell? Oh, I, do. I love it. Yeah. Tyrell it's is growing strong. <laughs> I've been wanting for a long time. It's I, I think it's going to be focused. Oh, go ahead, John. You win. No, I was just yeah, I was. I think it's going to be interesting to really look at the cost efficiency for every house because we see a couple really good characters here at a three cost, and I wonder which other houses or factions are going to have that kind of cost efficiency. Because then you have a card like Queen of Thorns and. She's pretty pricey. I mean, she's pretty badass too. But uh, I'm I'm curious to see how that uh, how the gold curve goes around through all the factions. Yes, I I like that the themes are very straightforward in a sense. It's like okay, like you can see the direction of the house. But I feel like there's a lot of design space and creativity that can be worked out there. But for a new so player, I- it is still intuitive. Yes, it makes sense. You understand what they're doing, how they're trying to do it, and but I feel, still feel like you're gonna, you still get that complexity that advanced players, I think a lot of them really cling to. That you have these pumps that are very toolboxy and you can apply in many different ways. And I think Tyrell will be a very straightforward but exciting house to play. I look forward to it. They're not my favorite, but I, I think they're probably in the top half. So I keep and looking at Randall Tarley and seeing that they that he has renown. How many characters have we seen in total from each other house that have had renown? Not that many. Uh, that I not, really not a bunch. Right? I feel like it's been a pretty small amount, just like stealth has been pretty limited. And the interesting thing about Randall is him having renown and the ability to stand. This is big. If I, I struggle sometimes to wrap my mind around what the meta and environment and just simply the game will feel like, especially at first. And I draw back on the first core sets release and having any kind of quote unquote closer like him can be game changing just because games can get so muggy and slow and uh, the speed is drastically slower because like you said, there is very little renown, very little stealth. They are such a premium just for the three or four power that it can gain you over the course of the game. So I think, especially in this young environment, that renown is uh, definitely something not so. How about we keep the discussion moving along here, and uh, let's let's take a look a little bit. FFG had posted the new rules 
um, for the game, for second edition. We've got the Learn to Play Guide and the Rules Reference Guide. And I think folks will um, be interested to, to hear us cover. Uh, I'm sure a lot of just regular listeners have... Uh, already kind of looked into some of this, but hopefully we're picking up some new ones and and even the uh, the established listeners I think could stand to have some of these changes really pounded home repeatedly because I know I'm going to need it. I'm going <laughs> to screw up timing so bad all day long in the King. Oh, uh, this Kingslayer is going to be terrible. It's going to be rough. Oh, yeah, going from playing 1.0 Joust to then going and playing this the next day, out of control. So bad, so bad. Yeah. So How many times do you hear the phrase, wait, I have an action, wait, no, I don't? <laughs> do I have an action? <laughs> I can't tell. The challenge What's an action? The challenge How, how many times free. do I say, do you have any pre-plot actions? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's a big one, uh, for folks, and that that's one that I think may not have attention drawn to it uh, quite uh, quite as well, unless folks were really going uh, all the way down in the rules reference guide to take a look at the the timing chart, and that is, I mean, it is something I admit I complained about a bunch in first edition, but it's going to be tough to get used to uh, in every phase. Other than the challenge phase, there is no player action window before whatever appropriate framework thing uh, for that phase happens. So no pre-plot actions. You reveal plots and resolve all of that before you have an action window. Draw phase. Both players draw before you have an action window. And so on. In, in first ed, it was half and half, and it always seemed like such a mess. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad to see it go in the end. Oh, I kind of like setting up stuff. Was it really half one half? Will? Yes. Yeah. Everything before challenges had the ability to play something. Had a player action window before uh, the framework action for that phase. Everything after challenges, so like dominant standing taxation, you could not play a player. Uh, there was no player action window before that appropriate. <laughs> you know, now that you say that, that's dumb. I'm glad it changed. Yeah, although, for a long time, I was like, I, I don't care say, which you choose, just pick one or the other. Although I will say it does make it more intuitive that there is not a pre-phase player action window for epics, given that it's in the second half. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that if they ever reprint epics and Fear of Winter, that'll that'll rein them in for sure. Um, oh, sorry. Don't, I see what you're saying. The, the phase door. itself. I thought you meant oh. playing the events. Yes. Yeah, that Correct. makes sense for the phase. Because epics were at the end. Right. Well, the same is going to be true for a lot of stuff. I mean, draw phase, same thing. We're used to doing, we could do actions beforehand. We're not going to be able to do it then. Mm-hmm. It just, it really is more intuitive that you really just perform the beginning of the phase, then you could do your actions. I mean, it makes more sense. Yeah. Now it it is worth uh, throwing out there though, just to so folks re- really know this as we talk about all this. You can still do it in challenges Correct. before anyone actually initiates a challenge. You are still able to to trigger effects. 
Agreed, and that needed to stay. I'd have been really sad to see that go, mm-hmm. especially with the game moving more challenge phase centric. Like it needs that added level of, I wouldn't say complexity, but posturing before challenges has always been a very important part of the phase, and I'm glad that it it's the one thing that stayed. So immediately looking at it for me, the question that came up is if they were to bring shadows back, which we have no idea if they're going to or not. Right. Does it mean that that action window is going to be prior to or after shadows coming out? They could do whatever they wanted. I mean, but when shadows originally came out, it just like popped up. They're like, hey, now there's this new thing. You do it at the very, 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 very beginning of the phase. In this magical little window that we just created, boom! Wow, we did it. So, mm-hmm. right, I started playing so they'll do after shadows. whatever they want. But yeah, there—I mean, there was no pre-phase magical Stardust land where we do shadows actions. So they just created that as part of the timing chart to make those cards work. So really, you could do it however you wanted. But yes, they have said at least in their old game, the president to just change this, or I guess add on to it as needed to make stuff from mechanics work. Mm-hmm. So I struggle to see them doing that again. I think you could yeah. do Shadows as just an action, and it'd be fine. I, I don't see Shadows coming back. With, really don't? with the way uh, Ambush works now, I would be surprised... But it is a bit of a bummer. I, I think Shadows is one of my very favorite uh, mechanics to ever be added to the game. Yeah, I really like Shadows too, but I do agree with John to a point where they've been reducing the cost for cards to be played as Shadows and more expensive to marshal them from your hand. It kind of seems like they're m- melding those two things together. Mm-hmm. I'll just win Gen Con. Oh, there is no card this year. I said I wouldn't Gen Con and make one, but I don't believe Design a Card was on the on the swag list this yeah. year. So I have to win. I have to win Worlds now. I think, I think that's. I also don't believe that they allow you to create mechanics with that. You don't know. I, I don't know. Mira created an entirely new mechanic for a long time. The the non character character ability. Hey, yes. and that's uh, gone now. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully. For some, thankfully for some. Yeah. Iron Throne back on top. Well, tell you what, we're, we're talking about timing there and ambush came up. I think there's another small tweak to the timing rules that's probably worth noting and probably because it, it partly interacts with ambush and that has to do with the timing of stealth, uh, being that it, it's declared at the same time, you're declaring the, those attackers now. So it's it's definitely a, a boon to uh, ambush because now the only characters you can stealth are those that are in play at the time you initiate the challenge. There is then still an action window after that to ambush in characters, then defenders are declared. Which, there again, they're kind of melding in the naval aspect. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's simpler. Pre-stealth actions were frustrating and clunky, and during intense games where stuff like that mattered, 
I mean, your challenges phase just crawled because you yeah, have to stop absolutely. and acknowledge all these little windows along the way because they very well could have a meaningful action in them. So I think does this yeah. nudge power balance a little bit? Sure, but I think the streamlining is totally worth it. Each game is going to unfold in a much more consistent manner. Boy, I hope so. Are you guys excited by these changes overall? I I think so. I think I don't like when games became about which one of us knew the more nitpicky rules lawyery, obscure rulingy stuff, and that dictated games. Because it would, especially if you have bigger tournaments. Like first or second round, you're playing a guy that's like, you should win because I understand the counterintuitive thoughts on these three tiny interactions. I can warp this game in my favor. And while that was a part of the game and I accepted it and did it, it, it is nice to see some of that go away. You know, uh, I think as a general rule, go ahead, Will. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. Uh, by all means, I, I was about to send us sideways, so if you have another response on that exact same topic, jump on it. I do. Um, I was going to say, I think that I kind of agree with Kyle to the point that making it more streamlined and intuitive is definitely good, especially as we try and grow a player base. But the thing that is going to hurt me as a player that has just started to kind of feel like he's got 100% control of the timing and the rules and really enjoy the nuances of the game, not having the difference in the economy in terms of gold influence and then potentially shadows, all those things coming into play. There, there are games where you would have no idea what your opponent was going to do. Are they going to bring a card out of shadows? Are they going to ambush a card? Are they going to, you know, pay gold for an event like hands judgment? All, all those things could potentially be happening, but now, all of it is going to be gold-based. All right. I don't get it. I'm confused. <laughs> well, take, for example, a scenario where a player is uh, playing Martell, right? And so they have a bunch of influence locations. They're also playing Venomous Blade. And, and then they're playing, I can't remember what the silly... War of the Five Kings cycle card was that was Targaryen and Martell that had ambush, right? So they could potentially ambush a card. They could bring a card out of shadows. They could Targaryen pay influence to... There's a Targaryen Greyjoy. Yeah, Dragon Yeah, Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But you understand my point in that you could be ambushing a character potentially. You could be bringing a card out of shadows potentially. You could be paying for an event potentially. In the new world, just because they had, you know, gold sitting there, you're going to be potentially playing a card from your hand. That is all that you know. But I think with time, you can add those. Streamline that for now, but I I, yeah, I was going to say I think over time they'll they'll expand to to offer some of that type of thing. Oh, absolutely, and I'm saying completely in the short run that that's the kind of thing that I'm going to miss is the opportunity to exploit different types of interactions. 
yeah. I mean, just the the card pool in general being so squished down is uh, is is going to be rough to get used to for a little bit. It's going to feel like uh, like we don't have much to do. I yeah, I agree. I think the feeling coming out of this tournament, Kingslayer tournament, will be excited and optimistic. It will not be fulfilled and satisfied. No one's going to walk out of it and feel like they just had the same experience they had the day before. Yeah. Uh, that richness, you have to remember, takes, I mean, years and years and years. Well, before we go, yeah. Before we go too far down that tournament road, let's, let's really focus on just the, the rules changes for right now. Cause I promise, I, I promise we're going to talk about the Kingslayer tournament in its own tournament dedicated topic. So listeners, stay tuned. Uh, timing wise, though, we do have some other tweaks. Uh, and this is going to be the one that I think is going to be the hardest for me to get used to. And that's the challenge resolution tweak. Now, in general, things, things have been tweaked so that the reactions, remember, now they're no longer responses, they are reactions. Uh, I can only assume the name was changed to also help us, uh, remember that they work differently than they used to. Uh, they all happen to as close as humanly possible to whatever their triggering effect is. What that really means uh, in the meantime for us is that if you're coming off of first edition, second edition challenge resolution is almost exactly reverse uh, <laughs> from first edition. So you will determine who wins, then play reactions, then carry on from there uh, with with... Um, keywords and, and, well, sorry, claim and then keywords. So it's gonna, gonna really take some, some getting used to, to play those. And it offers a lot of implications, uh, I think that kind of alter how we interact with challenges, I would think. You could kill the Princes of the Sun Red Viper by killing off all his friends. <laughs> and for that fact alone, I'm cool with it. Well, the Viper in this set isn't as awesome. Yeah, substantially less. Well, one thing it changes, for instance, we've seen, like Warm Warm Rain, actually previewed for Stark, uh, and it is a reaction to losing an Intrigue challenge. Well, now in 2nd edition, that will happen before the random discard for Intrigue claim, which makes that card hella better. Oh, so much better. Just react, like... Challenge lost reactions in general are going to be so much better. Say, like a Lannister pays his debts was ported over. Um, yep. Like an, an event along those lines would be so much stronger. But it also, in that type of case, helps us remove the awkwardness of Moribund. So <laughs> that's probably a good thing. Worth it. Well, and I think this whole train of thought is completely counter to the point that I was just making about it taking some of the nuances away. I think that the ability for challenge lost things to become more valuable and playable mm-hmm. adds another aspect that we hadn't really experienced as a reality in 1.0. Well, I think in general, this is going to be the number one thing not to really get on the tournament yet, but it's going to be the hardest part for a lot of people to get used to at the very beginning when you know, I think this will be the number one thing that's going to happen for confusion in the Kingslayer tournament, just because it's so totally different from what we've been doing. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I almost want to print it out and have like a little chart 
next to me. He'd be like, all right, Kyle, like, well, RTFC. You will have the rule book from your core set. So yes. it's, I don't think that's a terrible idea to have it open on the table next to you guys. They should have taken the the turn sequence off of the house cards and put the timing chart on there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What an ugly house card. Would have Would have been great. Well, let's see. Are there some other changes that we should hit on? I do like in general that they've just kind of tweaked and clarified language a bit. I like the, the play now only ever refers to an event. You play events and you don't have to deal really at the moment with this weird semi moribund thing that they did while they're resolving and then moving into the discard pile. In Everything else edition. is marshaled? Yes. Correct. And I, and I really like that division. It also makes effects uh, a lot easier for people to stay on top of. Like if there was a, a reprint similar to uh, see who is stronger, that's going to put something straight into play, you know, and then there's character abilities that may or may not interact. Well, that that'll be very clear in second edition, you know, Sir Eris Card or whatever it may be, would just say when you marshal this character, and then the you know the effects that may put something back into play can say something else. Recursor, reviver. Yeah. Retreat. Well, know. and along those same lines, what are you guys' thoughts on the forced response or forced reaction or however it's worded? I'll tell you my thought on that is there are well, if you played Conquest lately, that's all in Conquest too. Mm-hmm. It really is going to give somebody a chance who bounces around from FFG games, the LCG games, to have some uniform uh, keywords or bold-faced text here that does the exact same thing. You have some of that stuff in Star Wars, too. So it makes a lot of their games very um, easy to go from one to the other to the other. Right. One one thing I found really interesting about it is everyone is saying – Everyone seems to be really up on the change. It's so much better than passives and so on. And it, it, I, I don't know. I, I get the impression that people feel that it's a hundred percent better, but largely I would say it's only like 50%. Like half of the issue with passives is better. Timing will be very clear because they'll go off at the same time as reactions. Basically, you just have, have to make sure you trigger them. The catch is, well, it doesn't really improve on the memory aspect of things. You have to remember to trigger them just like you have to remember the passives go off. So I, I've just been really surprised reading kind of community chit chat that makes it seem like it's different and better in that regard. But I, I don't see a difference there. Did well, now it's got bold text in front of it. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, that that's better. But That's like, your game breaker right there. <laughs> Sort of. How many times have you looked down and went, oh, I forgot my response in first edition, which, Never. oh, I don't know. Has Never. Tech. Never. Never. I, like John. John Bruno play. may be the only man I, I that I actually believe that out of, and I'm not even 100% sure. That. <laughs> no, it's good. No, I would say Alvaro probably, because Alvaro never makes mistakes. But Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I do agree with Kyle, though. Having that bold-faced force reaction is uh is going to stand out more and is going to make people i think remember a little more than like a passive bay of ice or whatever it, it was uh, the kings of winter i mean all those things that were passive before and something Paris. else is, pardon me 
Varys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, for the for the people who has play, forget about even playing um, FFGs, other LCGs, even uh, card games like Magic, they have very similar type of, um, I guess, card effects that way. And like interrupt, just the word interrupt, for example. When I saw the word interrupt, I'm like, that's like magic, you know. So these things make more sense that people played even other games that weren't FFG games. Well, and I think also in terms of design. They're yeah. going to be much more. They they'll have to go out of their way to make things that are not cancelable. Yes. Yeah that that will be really interesting to see. You know how how cancels do or do not interact with these as the game goes on. Well, that that's one other rule thing that's different too. Uh, it may even make you want to play duplicates more often because that's something different from our regular game that we have now from 1.0 is that you can't cancel a dupe in uh, in 2.0, but you could in 1.0. Yeah, how fantastic is right. that? I think it's great. I think it would make me more likely to play a dupe of a character that I might not have before. Yeah, definitely. And that definitely sells you on this um, more expansive gold curve, having these bomb characters, knowing they're even more protected. I think that was, you know... One of everyone when they started spoiling them, the big concern was, I don't really want to just lose like a put seven gold into a guy, have him fall off the earth. I mean, having dupes be kind of the sacred thing I, does wonders for those characters. Mm-hmm. And you don't have I a can't choice. Remember off the top. I mean, early on, you don't have a choice. I mean, you have such a small card pool. You're working with a, car, a core set. You're going to have very little choice in, in some ways to not play duplicates of a character. Sure, but it's good. It's like no one plays Corset Danny, and I just would hate to see some of these our first marquee characters just slowly fade into irrelevance. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I feel like in one of the videos we saw that there's going to be a march to the wall. Did did we get a close enough look at that and see if it cannot be saved? Oh, good point. I don't know. Um, that is a great question. Um, we have that spoiler out there yet? to the wall is still cannot be saved. Yep. I had it, I had it right here in front of me. And that's a plot that you can then play two of, correct? Right. It does not have the, the deck limit. So at least in the early going, that may up the value. Possibly. What about the so new Valor? Cannot be saved. That's going to be awesome. So good. The new Valor that has cannot be saved on it. That'd be good. I don't remember <laughs> seeing that one. There, there is no Valor. Five for one prize two. It's awesome. Yeah, only prize card in the game. Not really. Good <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's the only non-savable Valor we've had, so it's right. worth it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we're not going to delve too hard into every nook and cranny, but are there any uh, any other major things that you guys can think of that you want to hit on in the 2.0 rules, or do we want to want to hit up Kingslayer? I just like how reading through it, how consistent it feels, the message and the language and the templating. I feel that in previous years, like the first edition, sometimes it, certain aspects felt like 
this rickety scaffolding that we just kept building on top of. And, and I feel having seen now the nuts and bolts behind it, this feels like the spirit is still captured, but it's much more executable and understandable. Mm-hmm. Props to uh, the editing and templating crew this time around. You'll, of course, see their names there in the rule book. But well, we know Alex and Katon for sure, so Indeed. big props to those guys. Oh, yeah. I probably won't play no, no one naysayed me. <laughs> well, I think before, before we delve in too far, there are a, a few things that we need to acknowledge, I think, for listeners. And one is, by now, the rules documents are out. You can see who is listed as a playtester. So, uh, yep, you can see. You can see. You know that we were. Uh, I'm sure there's still some things we can't talk about, i.e. cards that have not been previewed anywhere yet. But, uh, I always feel a little awkward, you know, uh, for playtesters to have like further knowledge, uh, before a, a big tournament. And certainly for a relaunch like this, uh, it doesn't get much bigger than that as far as the difference in, in being able to view the whole card pool goes. So, I wanted to kind of spend a little time to talk about our analysis of the houses, what we're favoring, leaning toward or not, uh, and kind of help impart what knowledge we can to the listeners. But I think they threw a bit of a curveball out there, even at the playtesters right at the last moment. They just announced deck building rules for Kingslayer, which are not what everyone expected. Which will never be used again. So that's kind of cool that they're doing something brand new and different. For who knows, they might bring it back, but it is kind of neat that they're doing something uh, to make this a little bit more special and throw a car car at people. Yeah, yeah. I just I wish they'd announced it uh, earlier, back when they were like like when they sent the the email out to everybody that signed up for it or something, so that people knew like this is so late and just announced on the site that I know there's well, going people that miss it. People have no idea what's in that box. Why do they need to know, Will? Yeah, why do they need to know how to build their deck for the event? They don't. They don't need to know. There you go. There you go. There are, there are people that are going to show up and haven't really looked much at any of the spoilers. They know very little of the cards or, yeah. you know, and they're playing for the first time. So this doesn't really hurt them. Well, uh, it's only her it, it's, no, 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 no. What I mean is they have to find out at some point. Otherwise, they cannot correctly build a legal deck according right. to these rules. I'm sure they'll hand like a form with it when they give you your corset. Here, here's how you do it. Happy building. Go off and do it. Hopefully. That's a- Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I'm just saying this was announced really late. So <laughs> maybe they don't have time to make special printouts. <laughs> I don't know. But I want a special <laughs> Well, let's hit on what the, what the the tweaks are. So you, of course, going to be playing out of one core box that we already knew. Uh, your plot deck is going to be seven cards. Okay, that doesn't 
actually personally surprised me, but they listed it. It does say that you can use, you know, the double plot rule like normal as long as there's another copy in that single core set. Okay? That makes sense. Uh, here's the first of the two that gets a little crazy. All of the cards from any two factions. Players' faction choices are indicated by using the faction card from both of the chosen factions. Agenda cards such as the banner agendas are not used. Well, and according to the rule book, um, we have a listing at the, on one of the pages of exactly how many cards there are per faction. Mm-hmm. So one thing they get to do by doing this is everyone just playing at the exact same size deck. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting there. It basically makes it like like old school draft was, where you would just pick two uh, two house cards and roll whether cards were house X only or not. So that's that's essentially what what you're doing here. You're picking two house cards and and rolling with whatever you got. Maybe they should have done that. You roll wow. an eight side Yeah. And the two you got that was. That's the deck size. You that right. mm-hmm. I did not see that. Previous to this recording, <laughs> holy cow. Yeah. There's one other thing to follow up with that, though, and that is that you must play a minimum of 10 neutral cards. Yeah. Oh, wait. That's just for deck construction. There is there is actually one other big thing, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> this You'll get a kick out of this one. Plot choices, faction choices, and or neutral card choices may be adjusted between each round of the event as long as players are ready to begin play at the start of the next round. <laughs> so, like, I kind of understand what they're doing there. They Like, if people want to bounce around and they're just like, oh, all this shiny new stuff, they can rotate around any of the houses they want. Um, but also very interesting, interesting for tournament play. The worst, the, bad, the only rule I hate is that you have to provide a deck list for each round that you played. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. That's not there. <laughs> yeah, not there at all. <laughs> not there at all. Is this the only taste of sideboard that Game of Thrones has ever had? Uh, no, sort of. there was a Stark agenda way back in the day. Oh, yeah, the Martell. The, yeah. Stark just got a sight. Run this agenda and get a sight. There you go. Okay, so then those are the ground rules. Now I'm I'm curious, who wants to to go first? Do do you guys have picked out yet already what you think is going to be your primary faction? Um, yeah, have you made that decision that you want to go out on a limb with, or should we just walk through each faction and kind of kind of give our take of the pluses and minuses of? I'm going to give you the best, too. Everyone play this. All right, listeners, here you go. You ready? Now, since you don't have to worry about Loyal, and you can play this faction, this faction, all their cards, play Targaryen and Lannister. Best two houses out there. Go for them. That's my. That's all I'm saying about it. Figure it out. Drogo, Jamie, yeah. looking good. That's that's going to be good. I definitely have to throw a vote out there for Lannister. My my original plan uh, before seeing this was going to be Lannister as my main house. The extra income, I think, is going to be so huge in this format where they've pushed the character costs and you don't have the consistency in your deck that uh, people wish for in a constructed event. 
anywhere you can pick up that extra income is going to be huge. Well, given that this is the first that I've heard about these uh, construction rules, I have to agree with John. I mean, if you can have Jamie Lannister and Kyle Drogo on the same deck, get out of here. Yep. Do everything you can to put those two guys together. That's absurd. And do we know anything? I'm sorry? Do you get burn with it, too? I mean, come on. You're right. Character control plus, you know, hey, let's just do lots of military challenges. Wow. That, that seems to draw with insight. Yes. Do we have any? Do we have any concept in terms of the amount of each copy of card per core set? Yeah, it says one. It oh, says yeah, you play cool. a single core set. Right, right, right. But how many games are there duplicates of certain cards? Oh, gotcha. We we know like plots and such. Yeah, we know by people kind of figuring uh, card numbers as spoilers have come out that it looks like uh, a handful of plots and neutrals are duplicated. Um, but it does not appear at the moment that the house card, house specific cards are. I think it's going to be really to interesting based on the plots that you get multiple copies of. Right. You now get to, what you have to do is that's why the playtesters were listed. You're supposed to call up all your playtester friends and say, "Hey, what was in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box?" So I do your Brad Pitt. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> So I think there's two approaches that you take. And one is kind of like Tommy touched on. And since this is a one-time, and during card design, you didn't have to look at terrible loyal versus loyal interactions. But try to find the most broken, loyal and loyal interaction you can and hope you just hit the nuts. The second way you go is is this changes things. Because there are houses where you go, I can glean enough good stuff out of this, but the bottom half is crap. And so the other thought is you just look at from top to bottom what is sheerly the most efficient. And for me, I think that's either Lannister or probably Greyjoy that has the most bang for your buck. And you just, since you're stuck playing all of it, make all of it as find the one that you think is solid from bottom to top and roll with that. So I think all the keywords out of Greyjoy totally agree with you. Yeah, so I think either Will's approach of just pick what's solid the whole way through and just run on sheer efficiency and hope you can just turn out a better game than they can. Or you go, like like Tommy said, you just find the most redonk thing that you know will never be legal again. And it was obviously intent, not necessarily intentionally blocked, but it was never a concern and proved the playtesters right. This is why these two cards are loyal. Yeah. Who are you thinking of then? I mean, we've already heard kind of just some of the bonkers nests there, uh, potentially Jamie and Cal Drogo. Who are you thinking of at the tops for the efficiency game? I'm personally leaning towards Greyjoy when you've got stuff like Asha, Euron, Theon, uh, Dampere and such, like a good bit of card advantage out of Dampere. And like, it just seems like they curve out really well through those uniques. A lot of power there at every price point from two to seven. Um, though from what we've seen of Barith, or sorry, uh, of Tyrell, it looks like they may scale pretty well as well. What about um, Night's Watch? I think, I think they're really, really efficient. Um, they're really they get some cheap little guys. Uh, I think they're going to be the, the the one that some people might not think about including. But I think Night's Watch got some great, great cards in there. 
They do. You think you think I they'll think be the, hit at all by the limitations of the single core set when they've got you know old bear and wall and you know stuff like that that feels like it kind of wants all of their tech together. That's what I was just going to say. The yeah, lack of yeah. redundancy for them, I think, is going to really hurt them. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, they got a couple of really cool events. I get to play an event, and I get to take your character, like, forever. And, and <laughs> yeah. That's really strong. That's, <laughs> yeah, it's that's still good. huge, and they probably are not going to have another copy of that character. Right. Yeah. I think what's going to be fun is to watch, and I hope this happens, if there's, like, a game within the game. Like, you will see the whole room. With seven turn rounds, there's a lot of time to swap. Like, all swing, real aggro. Like, let's say Jamie and Drogo gets out to a huge turn, and suddenly it's winning. Everyone, war gets around, that's the hotness. So then you'll get this, like, anti, all these anti-heroes that build, you know, Barra decks or control decks that can kneel them down a bunch. And, like, I want to see, like, a meta and reactionary deck building happening like, as a group between rounds, I think that would be fun to watch. So, even what you think is good, like, very well, like, the meta could flip on it. Somebody comes out and it's super hot, and they're like, oh, this wins. Half the people are going to go, well, I'm going to go build something specifically to beat it. Because mm-hmm. odds are... Well, and I, see, I think it magnifies your choices of plots. Yeah, a wise man once told me the most powerful cards in this game were the thought cards. Um, I don't remember who that old hermit was, but uh, I think Could've that added anybody. So, well, it was it was strong. What do you guys think about the the opportunity? I mean, we're not really getting to do the Kingslayer, but in general, the opportunity to be able to play two times a plot. I think that's pretty cool. I really like that a lot about the. We didn't really mention that too much when we talk about the rules, but that really kind of cool for you know to open up a lot of different decks for a different deck type you want to build absolutely even in a limited card pool it's going to allow you to make a cohesive deck pretty reliable yeah. because you know two turns of the game that this effect's going to be there yeah. I think adding that is such a cool twist to the plot phase because now especially first person there's a lot of times okay, I just saw the reset, or, okay, I made it through the, to the Spears turn, or there's these, like, almost storms you have to weather with some decks, and now to not know another one's coming, or you're always going to be thinking, you know, what is that second plot, I think adds, adds a lot of depth. Even early on, such a limited number of plots takes them to a much more enriching state than what we currently it does overall, and I and I think going forward, that's going to be something. I, I don't know when you are choosing when to play your duplicated plot. If you choose to play one, uh, that's a lot of info you're giving out whenever you finally give it out. So I think that's going to be something you really have to weigh. Uh, and the Kingslayer probably going to be taking the back burner, um, but definitely, definitely to watch going forward. I think it helps rush immensely. Um, and then something I would say is to try and explore all three archetypes or when you're deck building, think of like all three when you're trying to build these decks to see. Because I don't know. I think even the playtesters really know how 
that power balance is going to be initially. But I think Russia's always struggled at the top level of play. And very rarely does Russia make an appearance in like a top four of these major tournaments. I think having the double plot really enables Rush to be a thing. You can have like an opener and then bang, bang, two turns of this. If, and if there's a double out. that a Rush deck wants out of the sure. full core set. I, th- I think the bigger boon uh, for a Rush, or at least aggro-oriented deck, is that the control decks do not have the redundancy they need. They've got one copy of that Melisandre, or whatever it might be. Uh, whereas if, if you're aggro, it's generally less important that you, you know, specifically see, you know, Randall Tarley or whatever. Uh, you're also pretty happy if you grab Jamie or just really anybody for the challenge. Uh, aggro, I think, plays Well, a and they don't have a full sweeping resource. Right, right. <coughs> yeah, only having Wildfire or potentially Varus uh, definitely changes what you Rush can Rush can weather to. that. Yeah. Yeah, I would just try and be the beatdown. Look through the cards, and I would just make a note. Is this card proactive or reactive? And... Whatever two outs have the highest ratio of proactive cards, that's probably going to be a deck that can win more games than this. Especially why I'm leaning towards Greyjoy. I was like, I think this is going to be a slugfest. I think right yeah. out of the box, this game is going to be a lot of two dudes that uh, just playing their feet in the middle of the ring, which is going to take turns punching each other. Though, to that point, I don't think you can negate the relevance of consistent draw or economy. Now, granted, you're not going to have consistent anything in a single core set environment, but whoever of the houses can provide the most consistent of those two factors is also going to be somebody to contend with. Yeah. Well, we've got got a lot to look at, a lot to think about, guys. Make sure you are checking. uh, Well, of course, uh, I... The uh, the White Book podcast page, you can tag all the cards if you already know the card names. I should probably throw in a full-blown, just spoiler list. Uh, I'll add that to the table of things to do. In the meantime, check out uh, Board Game Geek and the For the Watch. That's the number F-O-U-R for uh, the watch for the spoiler thread there. Uh, that's going to have all the card images so far. So you can start deciding which houses you think fit uh, fit these type of criteria. Slops? Perhaps some slaps. Alright. Our chance for our first alternate commit. How about that? That's a cool drop. Our first uh, alternate art? Yeah, if you look on the FFG page, they have a link where you can see what the prizes are. Send the same thing where they, the same article they posted today about the Rules from Slayer. Oh, so oh. Check I, out the Slayer. I guess I missed that. Okay. Yeah, it's right. Bottom. So check out the prize for the Kingslayer tournament. 
They have uh, a participation prize. Each person receives one alternate arc, and a up is the Game of Thrones plot. And the top 16 get a, a play mat and eight power uh, counters. And obviously, uh, we thank Will and the Two Chance, One Jump and other people who can work on putting those play mats together. We do what we can. And making sure we have a top eight, top team, top eight. Yeah. I'm not thinking Kyle, just Will. <laughs> yeah, well, we're uh, we're trying to see what we can do here. Uh, of course, FFG is doing their own prizes and stuff, but we're gonna yep. run run things on out, uh, and we've got we've got several things lined up uh, for prizes for the elimination. We've got a couple deck boxes donated by Dogmite. Uh, we've got some gold and power tokens donated by Shirepost Mint. Uh, we've got some custom house cards. Working on some gold tokens. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to do it upright. That's exciting. Yeah. You know, t- first of Kyle all, Lord? I love that our champion oh. gets gets a handy from John afterwards out back. I think that is a memory you know, that lasts forever. Physical objects wear every down with time. Every member of the top sixteen will get one of those. Wow! Wow! How generous can you be? He's a lover. I got something special for the Santa Bride. Just think Reek and Wedding Night. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I want to think about this at all. <laughs> we'll get to oh, play Theon. He just has to watch. Oh. Oh. Ouch. Yeah. Just ouch. <laughs> Wait, we have a surprise for everybody, so, don't we, Will? We have something that they can win, don't we? We, ha- we Let's have pop what? up that website. Yeah. Yeah, we have something they can win. Uh the you mean the, the signed white book agenda? Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely want folks to uh want to bookend the episode with folks hearing about that. And just in case you didn't have enough copies of the white book agenda. Once we hit 211 likes on the new Facebook page, we're going to send a signed copy to one lucky winner. I Trust think me, we could probably I'll throw talk... something else in to make it a little better. What? Wasn't enough? <laughs> I'm fairly certain that we could talk Nate into giving us an extra copy of that Game of Thrones alternate art card that we can sign and send it to a player too. Absolutely. I'm not sure I want to put him on the spot without double checking it with him first. But oh, I'm, would, I'm already I'm doing it. You can mark it down. It's done. <laughs> you yeah, heard it here, folks. Bruno, if if Nate won't do it, Bruno's giving away his copy. If, yeah, if Nate won't do it, I'll just take the college card. That's fine. And don't worry about it. He's got one at home anyway. I'll bring one for family. They need. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. That's good stuff. Listeners, we will get you a copy of the Game of Thrones alternate art card. I, I I swear on Kyle's life. My life. Yes. It's not much these days. I mean, <laughs> I was going to so- say you sound particularly calm. <laughs> I know. I'm so tired. <laughs> My bedtime was like three hours ago. Well, the sun is down and so am I. Props to Kyle, then, for sticking it out. Are you guys excited about 2.0? How do you feel now at this point? 
Are, are we sad to see I'm incredibly pumped. Uh, a little bit sad, but the amount of sadness is fading day after day. Yeah. I think once you get to Gen Con and start playing with the cart, it's going to be totally different. I mean, you can look at these spoilers online, and if anybody here was a playtester, you know, same sort of thing, you could see, you know, PDFs of plain old cards and no art, but actually having the physical cards in your hand and playing with them is a totally different story. Mm-hmm. Yep, once they are real cards in your hand, you're going to feel a lot better. Yeah. I feel the same yeah. way. Yeah. I'll be honest, I will miss it come next store tournament season. Um, I think that'll be the one bane of someone who travels a lot, which I tend to do, uh, is the lack of variety will make me a little sad. I kind of like that there's just so many ways to go right now. I feel like what I'm playing... But the thing we always say is you don't travel for the cards, you travel for the community, and that's not going to change. That's true. The beer taps will stay diverse per state, (laughs) so we're okay. There you go. And when Bruno makes Iowa this year, I mean, that's just going to be, like, the best thing ever. Like, we're going to get him, yeah. A, legendarily drunk, and then, B, get him lost in a cornfield. Oh, I don't want to take advantage of me. <laughs> that's what the so. corn's for. That's your scarecrow. But I'm, I am I got to tell you, I'm kind of, I have mixed feelings about it. I'm excited that they cleaned up the rules. I'm excited that, um... You don't have this massive card bowl right now, but it's also sad to see it go. Um, you know, I back in 2008 when they announced the LCG format, there were a lot of people that were really unhappy about it and quit playing. And it's great to see how many people came back. Um, so I think the number one thing that's going to happen out of this is you're going to see more people that left come back because they don't have to get back in and new players start. So I think we have a chance to have a really huge player base at the very beginning, which will be great. Uh, well, and I can speak to I, that. You know, given I that. don't know if I'll be playing right away. Myself. No, I'm just saying real quick. I, was, I don't know how much I'll play. In it. I told Nate before, I remember in 2008 when uh, the LCG came out and I quit playing for three years. I said, Nate, I don't play anymore until one of my cards, is, until I have a card back in the game again. And first no, eventually came back out. So once they told me it was coming back, I'm like, all right, I'll start playing again. So I, I'm going to have to wait and see if either first no or Mad King shows up sometime, then maybe I'll play 2.0. A, a lot of people are upset about the fact that their their cards aren't going to be usable anymore and that they bought into an LCG thinking that it was going to be forever green cards and whatnot, but yeah. as a player who's only been playing for just under three years myself, I have to say, not only do I feel like it got more than my money's worth in terms of the playability of the cards, but also the experiences that I got by getting to meet the community and play with the cards. Um, I I can't be happier that they're going to expand that community by lowering the barrier of entry. I think that's a a really good, important thing for the game. And when it comes right down to it, the mechanics are virtually the same and the game that we love is going to continue on and be stronger for this. And that's the most important thing, Tommy, is that, the longevity of the game. I mean, there was a time back in the, you know, 2008. Who knew what the, what, how long the game would last? But with the show as popular as ever and the card game, um, finally capitalizing on that truly and bringing people in at, at the right time, you have a chance to see this game last a long time. It's pretty amazing to think how many card games have come and gone in a short 
amount of time. This game's been around in some form since 2002. I mean, we're talking 13 years already. It, de- it debuted at Gen Con in 2002. Yep. So here we are at Gen Con in 2015, 13 years later. That's a pretty long time for a card game. And really, exactly. It's just taken off again. So that's kind of impressive. As much uh, crap as Christian Peterson gets for some of the things he jo- does, some of the choices he makes, Chris actually has a great business mind and knows what he's doing. So, you know, people may argue with some of his choices, but in the long run, he does his best for his company and his games. It's paying off so far. I I hope uh, to see just many more years. God, I wonder how much this license has increased in value since they bought it. Can uh, you imagine? So much. It's got to be exponential. Back when, hey, some old guy's writing these books. Cool, whatever. I'll buy it. I don't now. know what other kind of endorsements we're allowed to throw on this podcast, Will, but I've I've heard of this um this game. Game site called uh, this store site board game warehouse. <laughs> I was probably there and pre-order Cortez. Just my recommendation to people. Here, there's some pretty cool people running that place, and that's where I want to do my shopping at. So I don't know if anyone's heard of that, but you should check that out. Boardgamewarehouse.com. You know, um, I, I, they also give you special prizes if you pick up in person. Again, handies yeah. from Will Outback. Right. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I just kind of sit there with fives in my hand and buy booster packs and Bill just doesn't stop. He's just throwing those fives left and right. No, no, uh, we can we can definitely throw some props out there. I think it's a, it's a great place to, to be and I, I hope everybody uh, considers throwing some business uh, Board Game Warehouse's direction. Um, but aside from that, I definitely have some props actually to pass along from good old Kristen. Uh, boobs, if you are a very long time listener of the show, who wants to prop Mr. John Bruno, who actually, uh, did, did a solid as a friend here and, and, uh, helped her and a mutual friend of hers out quite a bit on their recent, uh, work slash vacay, uh, trip out to LA. Aww. Good time. We had a lot of fun. Two long days of traveling all around and seeing some sites around LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a good time. It was by Africa Minor. Will? You guys are welcome to come out at any time. Sweet. Yeah, yeah she was already oh. trying to talk me uh, to head out with her again. What's so. that? Definitely. Kyle, send an invitation to you. Aw. Hey, maybe we could or line not. that up all at the same time. Tommy? It's n- not a bad place to visit. Bring the missus out here. <laughs> I'll, I'll do that as long as we've got separate rooms. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not not sure how to take that. You and her, or you and I? (laughs) You're so (laughs) consistent. (laughs) You know what? That sir sounded dangerously close to. I don't. I don't know what. I. You know what? We're changing up the show. We're changing up the ending. It was close to something. I just can't remember what. It it was. It was towing the line to to a certain zone, (laughs) but. Oh, wow. Yep. We are not off to a classier start this time around, gentlemen. Well done. (laughs) I am always ready for the danger zone, but I'd feel remiss if I didn't give the the props to one of our hosts in absentia, Aaron Glazer, Mm -hmm. uh, provided me with 
the majority of a build that I took to regional victory this past week. So uh, props to Aaron on that one. Oh, way to go, Aaron. Congrats. And Tommy on winning. Hey, thanks, Kyle. That makes uh, three regional winners of the hosts here. One of yep. these teams is so. not like the other. Thank goodness oh, not no, in the name anymore. Thank goodness. No, Will's got Will's three got chance in the top? weekend. Three yep. chance in the top? Three, three champs. There you go. Look at that, Will. Booyah. White book. You got to do that for the podcast. You got to play white book. <laughs> yes. I'm saving that yes. for you. Earn it. <laughs> Is that the new so, closure? The first person to actually say white book? <laughs> uh, it might be. It might be. I think that seems like a pretty good spot. And this closes another chapter of the white book? Oh! oh that was good. Oh, that was good. I love it. Was-